Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. He looks up and his sanity returned. And then the direct result of that is I praised him. I worshiped God. Man, that should always be our response. Man, if the Lord teaches you a lesson, and in that lesson, the light finally goes on, and you look up, and you notice Him, and your sanity returns, so to speak, what you ought to do, what you must do, next step, worship God, praise Him, give Him the praise that He is worthy of. God, in His graciousness and goodness, seeks to direct all of His children into the best life possible. He gave his word with instructions, commands, and warnings. He even explains that he'll use hard circumstances in life to grow and shape a believer in order to make them more like Jesus. And as Pastor James declares today, when you experience God changing your life in big and little ways, praise him. Even if it was difficult or painful, worship and praise God for getting you through and for changing you in it. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Daniel chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. grass like a cow. He was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was was long as eagle's feathers and his nails, fingernails, toenails, like bird's claws. Oh, that's so disturbing and gross. You need a Halloween costume? Might I suggest Nebuchadnezzar as a wild man? Um, That might win you a prize at a party. I don't know, but... um, yeah, he, his hair was crazy, his fingernails were grown out, his toenails were grown out. I mean, he, he looked wild. He looked wild. He was, he was literally outside of his mind. He was. Verse 34, here's the transition, the wake up. After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven my sanity returned. And I praised and worshiped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. He says, it took me about seven years. Could he have been done earlier? Probably. Was he going to be? No. It was going to take him seven years of chewing grass next to Betsy in the field before he actually like looked up and was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is amazing. This is beautiful. This is is a testimony of what God can do with anyone and everyone. This is incredible. Nebuchadnezzar, ruler of the known world, humbled by God, humbled by God, dethroned by God for seven years, out in the field, living as a madman until he looked up to heaven. And it wasn't until he looked up to heaven, it wasn't until then that his, that his sanity had returned to him. 
Here's a good, good little practical application for, for some of us. Maybe for some of us who struggle with certain things like anxiety and depression, which are real things. Um, and I'm not talking about like those that, you know, because sometimes there's chemical imbalances and I'm not necessarily talking about that, but I am talking about sometimes being choked out by the cares of this world, worrying too much. Man, sometimes the best remedy is just to look up to heaven. It's just to look to Jesus, just to look up to him. Because I know what it feels like when worry consumes my mind and I feel like a wild man. I feel like I'm not in my right state of mind, so to speak. But when I fix my eyes on Jesus, it's like the sanity returns kind of a thing. I'm not saying if you struggle with anxiety or worry that you're crazy or that you're insane. I think we understand that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that can be found in Jesus. And when, I, when my eyes are fixed on me, it's chaos. But when my eyes get fixed onto him, it's peace. It's peace. And it's amazing. That's what happened for Nebuchadnezzar. He looks up and his sanity returned. And then the direct result of that is I praised him. I worshiped God. Man, that should always be our response. Man, if the Lord teaches you a lesson and in that lesson, the light finally goes on and you look up and you notice him and your sanity returns, so to speak, what you ought to do, what you must do, next step, Worship God, praise him, give him the praise that he is worthy of. That's what Nebuchadnezzar does. He he says, I praise and I worship the most high and honored the one who lives forever. And here's this great little proclamation he makes. His rule, God's rule is everlasting. His kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Whoa, wait a minute. Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan Gentile king, just taught us a very valuable lesson. He says, no one can say to him, who do you think you are? No one can say to him, God, what do you think you're doing? No one can say to him, why? We can ask that question. We can ask that question. But Nebuchadnezzar is coming at us with like, he's a holy God and he gets to do whatever he wants to do. And as we, as his creation, should just fall in line with that, not saying that you can never ask why, But I think we all understand where I'm going with that because there's a time in my life where I'm asking, God, I don't really understand this. And then there's a whole nother side to that where I'm like, why God? And I'm accusatory towards him, right? Because I don't like what he's doing in my life. And out of, well, disrespect, I can say, why? Which, boil that down, it's like, why aren't you letting things happen in my life that I want you to? that I want to happen, right? I mean, that's ultimately what that comes down to. I've had plenty of moments in my walk, in my relationship with God, where I was like, why? Why, why did you allow this to happen? I don't understand this. 
out of complete reverence and all that good stuff, but still wanting to know why, why, why. There's nothing wrong with asking him that, and there's nothing wrong with approaching him in that way. But there is, a, there is something we need to be careful of, and that's kind of coming to him with like these complaints that the children of Israel would come to him when they're wandering around in the wilderness. They always came to him. Their wives were always basically connected to complaints. And, that, and they were always complaining about God. They were complaining to Moses about God. Why? Why did you bring us out here to die? Why? Why doesn't God care about us? Why isn't he given us water? Where's our food? Where's the stuff? That's, all, that's what they were asking. Those are the questions we want to avoid, so to speak. But the question of like, God, I don't understand why you're allowing this to happen in my life. I believe is always okay to ask him. I think he actually welcomes that question. But when it's like connected to like, you know, pride or discontentment and all that good stuff, I, I think we should be very careful there. And I think really Nebuchadnezzar is just kind of hitting on that. Would, you know, no one can say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Verse 36, he says, when my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom, just as the word said it would. Daniel told him, he's like, look, uh, if, you know, this is what's going to happen, you know, of course, unless you repent, but if you choose not to repent, Nebuchadnezzar, this is what's going to happen, but you'll get it back. That's the stump with the, the iron, you know, kind of thing around it. He's like, you'll get your kingdom back, but God needs you to get this lesson. He needs to teach you this lesson. You don't have to be the cow in the field, but if you don't want to listen to it, then you might end up out in the field. So his, his sanity returned to him. So did his honor, his glory, and his kingdom. He, he says, my advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom, and even greater honor than before. I mean, that's amazing. Where he gets humbled by God, my mentor, Virgil Hillock, who passed away, who is rejoicing and celebrating in the presence of Jesus today, always would tell us, us young men, college kids, he's like, look, you got two, there's two ways of going about it. You either humble yourself or God will humble you. You choose, you pick. And that always resonated with me. I mean, that was, that was a lesson I learned 20 years ago. I wish like I'd actually like, you know, completely learned it and applied it in every situation, but I'm still learning, I guess. But that stuck with me. But here is Nebuchadnezzar who got humbled by God and then God restored him and gave him more when he restored him. He, he elevated him to a certain extent. I, I do find it funny that um, he probably was, Nebuchadnezzar more than likely was chased out of the palace when he lost his mind, probably by his noblemen and his wise men. <laughs> like something's gone wrong with Nebuchadnezzar. Maybe he jetted out of the palace or something, but um, I think for probably a moment, they were glad to see him go considering his state that he was in. But they, he gets restored, his sanity gets restored. They sought him out and apparently this lesson that he had learned kind of had a, some sort of an, a, a witness to these guys. They had to note something that was different about him. Because again, this is his testimony. And he's surrounded by 
lost people. They don't, they don't worship God. They don't worship the one true living God. Uh, as far as we know, within this time period, only like, and unless, you know, unless there was some salvations happening, I'm going to use that term, um, there was like four guys, you know, and there's the nation of Israel and all that good stuff, but four guys in the palace. But now Nebuchadnezzar is a worshiper of the one true God and his closest associates, these magicians and, and wise men and, and all these guys, astrologers, they obviously notice a difference in their boss. He's not the same guy. He's not the same guy. Verse 37, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. That's a big statement from an earthly king. That's a big, big statement from an earthly king who rules the known world. He's like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And this nothing worships the king of kings. The king of heaven. All his acts are just and true. Wait a minute. He made you, he took away your sanity and you lived for seven years in a field. He's like, all his acts are just and true. But Nebuchadnezzar, why? Why would God let that happen to you? All his acts are just and true. And he is able to humble the proud, which Nebuchadnezzar was the proudest of them all. Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before destruction and a haughty look before a fall. We want to quote the whole verse there, but pride comes before destruction. And Nebuchadnezzar learned that in a very real and practical way, but it forever changed his life. Verse 37 are the last words that we know of. He may have said more things and all that good stuff, but on the biblical account, those are his last words. Last words are pretty significant to a certain extent. Now, I've read last words from famous people, and some of it's pretty gibberish. Um, Some of it makes sense. Some of it doesn't make sense, right? You're like, what? Um, So it... Glass words sometimes can be the most telling thing about a person. I think it was Harriet Tubman. When she was dying, her last words were, swing low, sweet chariot. And those who were around her started singing that song. It was a beautiful last words. She obviously knew where she was going. <laughs> There's some other ones. Their last words are a little bit more frightening. Speaking of the flames and the torture. Some are pretty hostile, even towards, you know, their last days on the earth. I can't remember the actress's name right now. But her last words to her family that were gathered around her bed as she was dying was, don't you dare ask the Lord to help me. And that wasn't like in a positive way. That was like a very antagonistic way. Last words can be very telling of an individual. And what we know scripturally According to Daniel in this book, Nebuchadnezzar's last words to us, Galveston, Texas, people listening online, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. That's the last words of a changed individual. That's, those are the last words of somebody 
who God got a hold of their hearts and changed them. Will we see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven? I kind of think we will. I kind of think we will. And I think that dude's got some rad stories. I don't know if storytelling and story sharing in heaven's a real thing or not. Honestly, I don't know. I kind of hope it is, um, but it may not be. Here's what I know. If it's not, I'm not going to be disappointed, and neither will you be. But man, can you imagine if the king of Babylon, who was used by God to straighten out his people, his chosen people, which was the nation of Israel, He still has them chosen, okay? He's not done with Israel. But the king of the known world, conquering king, the head of gold, is in heaven because of the faithful witness of a few individuals who said, we will not turn our backs on God. We will not turn our backs on God. We don't care that we live somewhere where he's not honored and where he's not glorified. We don't care that they're going to present us the delicacies of the world. We will not turn our backs on God. You have four young men who came into Babylon, probably around anywhere from 14 to 16 years old. Four young men made that very brave proclamation. I will not defile myself. We will not defile ourselves. And that was, you know, we know that Daniel was like the spearhead of that thing. But him with uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah said, we will not defile ourselves. We will stand firm. And then you go into Daniel chapter 3, where you have Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who everybody else is bowing down. Everyone else is bowing down. And they said, we will not bow down. Throw us in the fire. We don't care. Throw us in the fire. We don't care. Because Nebuchadnezzar, it doesn't matter. You can throw us in the fire. God can rescue us or he cannot rescue us. And in his not rescuing us, he kind of is rescuing us. So for us, it's a win-win. We do not lose in this story. But we will not bow down. We will not bow down. We will not cater. And we will not be cowards. We will not bow down. We will stand. Those four young men had an impact on the known king of the world. And he had God messing with him in his dreams the whole time. And at the end of it all, from what we know, because we'll transition into Daniel chapter 5, and Nebuchadnezzar is not there anymore. The last thing he's saying is, I worship God. I worship God. I praise God. He humbled me, but then he exalted me. I'll worship him. He's the king of all. He's the king of heaven. And he has my allegiance. Pretty sweet testimony. Pretty amazing testimony, I think. So with that in mind, um, there's two questions. How does Daniel chapter 4 personally apply to you? Okay. Another way of saying that is, um, have you had this kind of encounter with God? And let me take away that term that gets thrown around too much. Have you had a personal encounter with Jesus? God is God, God the Father. That's who I'm talking about. I don't know who some of these 
celebrities and people are when they say they like to thank God. I don't know who they're talking about. But I do know that God the Father is who we're talking about in this question. God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. That's who we're talking about. How, how have you personally encountered them? How does this apply to you? Is your story like Nebuchadnezzar's? The second question is, what encouragement do you find from chapter four? There's a lot. There is so much. I mean, you can look at it as no one is too far gone for God. No one is beyond his reach of salvation. Nobody's beyond his reach of salvation. So there's that. If you're kind of a little bit upside down within the current political state of which we live, which is a mess, let's be honest, it's a mess. It's a train wreck. It really is. It's a train wreck. Well, I find encouragement that God is still in control. I find encouragement that even if, I don't even care if it's just our country, but globally is what I'm talking about. If wicked people are in power, God knows how to remove them. He can humble them and even save them and put them back in place. Now, what if he does that? That's amazing. It's amazing. I find encouragement that God's in control. I find encouragement. I can sleep well at night knowing that, man, God's got it. He's got it. And he's coming back soon. He's coming back real soon. The other encouragement you can find from that is, man, God is so good. He's so patient. and so gentle. He could have taken Nebuchadnezzar out within any, you know, month number eight of his disregarding this warning. But he gave Nebuchadnezzar a year, and then he gave him seven years, and he's like, look, I'm going to let you come back to me. You know, I'm, I'm not done with you yet. There's still the opportunity to turn around. He's so gracious and so compassionate, and I find encouragement within that as well. So those are the two questions I'll leave you guys with. It. So I, I would encourage you to, and I, I always do this, so please forgive me if this becomes redundant, but what is your story your testimony. What's your Daniel chapter four moment, so to speak? I I always want Christians to revisit that story in their own lives so that you can communicate that to other people. Because one of the best tools in the evangelistic kind of thing realm is that of your own personal story. I mean, it's one thing you can go to somebody and be like, can I tell you about Nebuchadnezzar? That's cool. That's fine. That's a great story. It is a great story. But you know what's even better for that person that you care about, that you want to share the gospel with and all that, is your own story. And I would say this, in revisiting what that story is, learn how to be honest like Nebuchadnezzar was. Note that he didn't pad the story. Note that he didn't cover, you know, too many of the flaws. He was like, look, I was on the roof. I was so full of myself. I was completely full of myself. I loved me. And I was impressed by me. And then I became a cow. Right? Like he, did, he could have sugarcoated it. He could have been like, you know, I, I'm going to hide those details. And I'm not saying divulge all your junk. Don't, you don't have to do that. Right? You don't have, and plus you need to know your audience. But what I do appreciate from Nebuchadnezzar is that he's like, I'm not ashamed that's who I was. And this is what God did. And now this is who I am. And there's some beauty behind that. There's some beauty behind that. So mull that around. 
chew the cut on that, so to speak, right? Like chew that around for a little bit. Um, But I I do want to always encourage us to, man, what was that like for you when you had that encounter with Jesus? Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken. You've been listening to Pastor James Grizzle teach through the book of Daniel, helping us understand all of the fascinating things in this book. Imagine a king being debased to eating grass like a cow and looking like a complete barbarian. It sounds like something straight out of Lord of the Rings. There were many lessons for King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, and God used Daniel to speak truth to this king of Babylon. Don't you see that no matter what location you're placed in, God can use it for good, for people to turn their hearts towards Him. We hope that your heart is also turned towards God today. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Bread for the Broken. If there's any way that this ministry has impacted you, would you mind sharing that with us? You can get in touch with us through our contact page at breadforthebroken.com. We'd be so happy to meet you in person too. So if you're in the Galveston area, join us this Sunday or Wednesday for worship and Bible study here at Calvary Galveston. You can find directions, service times, and more by visiting our website, breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. In the meantime, we encourage you to continue reading on your own in the book of Daniel, as you'll discover so many things that God wants to teach you from Daniel's example. Next time, Pastor James will pick up where he left off and keep covering passages in this Old Testament book right here on Bread for the Broken.